Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to the first Canadian Grand Prix race recap in over three years. Kind of crazy. Mark Daly here, joined by uh, Tim Haraney at Mark Daly F1 at Tim Haraney. And I'm a little bit uh, struggling to get that out. Man, it has been a long time since Formula One has been driving around the the, the street. Well, not the streets, but uh, around Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. And boy, was it great to see. Tim, before we get into what happened over the last three days at the track, what was it like to be back in Montreal for Formula One? I mean, the, the atmosphere looked great all weekend long. Yeah, it was incredible, Mark. Uh, just to see the fans coming back was was really special. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things about this race is is the fans. They are, I mean, Canadian fans are incredible because they're knowledge, knowledgeable. They know this race inside and out and they know the storylines coming in. So, you know, Mark, like it, it, it's funny, like, cause we talk about, you know, like take Fernando Alonso, for instance, right. Mm-hmm. In qualifying and, and puts it like P2, like the fans know that that's a big story. Yeah. And yeah. so the entire place just erupts. Okay. Like I'm sitting in the media center and I can hear 200,000 fans losing their minds <laughs> in the rain, yep. in the rain, Mark, like this place was sold out in the rain. The fans still showed up. That's why the drivers love coming here, man. They just love the fans. The, the nightlife was incredible. I didn't get to experience too too much of it. I actually was I was I was really focused on trying to do a really good job this weekend, and I was staying at the track late, and I was trying to go through all of the audio from whatever single driver said to the uh, the written media as well. So I would stay late. You know, the crew, the TSN crew would go home and. Uh, yeah, I would stay there probably till like nine o'clock at night, just uh, sifting through articles, reading as much as I could, getting ready for the next day because I wanted to do a really good job. And it, the, the nightlife, when I got to experience some of it, it, it was incredible. Like I've never seen this place just so alive. I mean, you could tell that people wanted Formula One back. Yeah, that's great. You know, it was awesome to see. Just I couldn't help but notice it every time I tuned, especially on Sunday afternoon. The weather was great. It was much better than it was for qualifying. I mean, qualifying looked like my hometown of Vancouver. It looked wet, miserable, cold, like it's been all spring long here. Mm-hmm. But then on Sunday, when, when I tuned in to watch the Grand Prix itself, to see that the skies had cleared, to look like, you know, it is only a couple of days away from the first day of summer. I'm like, this is what this is what it should be like. And just to see those stands packed, I mean, it didn't look like there was an empty seat anywhere. It just no. it was it was fantastic to see. And especially at the end of the race everybody like emptying out of the stands running up to start finish there just to take part and enjoy the podium celebrations was really really cool 
Yeah, just seeing the fans every morning too coming across the bridge. So you know how you have to like turn on to the bridge to get onto the island to the racetrack. Well, every morning, uh, starting Thursday, it was packed 8 a.m. Because we were there. Like, I was there long days. Like, I was there for 13 hours. And, like, 8 a.m., we're going across this bridge. And it is filled with fans at 8 o'clock in the morning. Like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fans. Like, if you go over to my Instagram story, you see it. Because I posted some videos of it. But, oh, my God. that Absolutely amazing. It was yeah. absolutely amazing. That's yeah. cool. But uh, did the rain dampen spirits at all on Saturday? It no. didn't really look like it. I mean, it, it looked no. like everybody there was still having a blast, even though the weather was horrible. Yeah. It was freezing. <laughs> I was freezing cold, man. But uh, it, it felt like it was going to snow at one point. <laughs> but it, it, everybody had, like, everybody was in great spirits. Like, yeah. everybody was just there having a good time. Like, you know, some probably inebriated more than others, but... They were still having fun, man, and that's uh, that. That's what makes this race so awesome. That's awesome. What What were your personal highlights of the the the, the past? Well, oh, I know it's not just the past oh three days. God. Like you said, you got in there what Tuesday night. I mean, you must have uh, quite a few good stories to tell. Uh, you must have seen quite a bit. Uh, Mark has so many. It, it'd be this whole podcast if I told everything. But <laughs> pick one, um, pick one if you can. I can't. Okay, uh, I did my first ever uh, grid walk today cool on Sunday. wow first wow. ever grid walk so i attempted a martin brundle grid walk and let me tell you i have huge respect for martin brundle <laughs> and his grid walks after trying to attempt one myself i did pretty good yeah um i did pretty good but i didn't do like martin brundle level i was I actually passed him i was doing mine and he was doing his and his was way faster than mine. Like he was like zooming down, uh, da- down the grid, dude. And I was just like, you know, slowly walking, checking things out, you know, explaining what's going on over here, explaining what's going on <laughs> over here. Um, I-, I would say that was, that was probably the coolest thing because like we were, we were right on the grid, man, like right on the grid. And the cars were coming out of the garages. And as they were leaving, the fans were cheering so loud for these, some of these drivers. That they overpowered what the cars sounded like. That's amazing. Hey, can I ask you, like, w- one thing I always notice, it doesn't matter when you're around, like, boats or aircraft or cars or race cars, there's always, like, a you know, certain kind of smell that you get around them. Was there anything that you noticed who were just walking up and, you know, up and down the, the, the grid there that really stood out for you about these cars? What, what was it specifically? Yeah, no, great point. It's a fuel for sure. You, oh, really? you can smell it. Yeah. yeah, you can smell it. It's actually... Uh, it's pretty strong, you know. It reminds me of um, it reminds me of IndyCar's um, uh, ethanol base that they use. That's what it reminded oh, really? me of. I know it's not yeah. like they're not they're not exactly the same uh, fuel sources, uh, but it, it was close to that. It was it was really strong. Uh, and what else did, did I notice? Uh, I would say that's you know that's about it. I mean, the tire rubber, like once the tires got warmed up, they did have a bit of an odor to them as well. That that was that was interesting. Uh, but yeah, it, I would say I would say the fuel, the most thing I could I could really tell. That's really really cool. Yeah. Well, let's get into it now. I mean, there's 
plenty of things uh, to talk about. Yeah. And as we just mentioned, I mean, Saturday was just, uh, I, I mean, it's great from a storyline point of view, because when you have bad weather like that, and the way that the track really evolved, I mean, it started was raining, then it seemed to sort of slow down in Q2, and then you started to see a dry line really starting to form in certain parts of the track into Q3. <laughs> but when you look at the qualifying classification, I mean, you've got a front row of Max Verstappen and Fernando Alonso. First time in a decade that Fernando's been on the front row. Then you've got a second row of uh, Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton. Then you got K-Mag and Mick Schumacher in the two Hasses on row three. Then you got Esteban Ocon and uh, George Russell on row four. And then on row five, you got uh, Danny, Ricardo, or Danny Ricardo and Joe Guan Yu rounding out uh, the, the top 10. And then, you know, it, it's just all over the place. You got Sergio Perez crashing out into Q3, mm-hmm. uh, going on straight on in where what was it? turn four putting it into the, the mm-hmm. tech pro barriers and well i mean he was kind of struggling a little bit but there was a lot of things uh, going on and then charles of course with the grid penalty and he just did what uh, he needed to do but i mean fernando as you already mentioned i mean that has to be the story one of the big stories of the weekend because he really i think i think he caught a lot of people out i mean unfortunately uh, that that story didn't perpetuate. They were never going to have the pace in the race. But uh, just walk us through that uh, that that uh, that whole story about Fernando Q two or sorry uh, qualifying in P two on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. yeah, that was really special. I mean, Fernando had looked Fernando had looked incredible all weekend long. Like it just wasn't qualifying on Saturday. He looked great every single day and or every single session, I should say. And if we go back to uh, Azerbaijan, just uh, just the momentum I think the team had from that particular race because the the Alpine did show really strong pace, and to have Fernando be as quick as he was uh, in Montreal, I think is a really positive step for them and uh, the upgrades that they had brought in in, in Azerbaijan and, and how that's paying off and. And I think this is this goes so deep with this team, like the, the job that that Otmar Safnauer has done to really come in and 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 turn this team around. Uh, I think that's something that really goes unnoticed uh, at the beginning of the season. This wasn't a really this wasn't a really great team. I really thought that okay, here we go. You know, it was like it reminded me of the old Renault days where they pumped a ton of money into the car and it didn't even do anything. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happening here where it was like, okay, they pumped a ton of money into this Alpine car and it's not even going to do anything. But in fact, it, it, it it's quite the opposite. They've actually done a really good job of just chipping away at this and trying to get a good, quick, consistent car. Um, their straight line, their straight line speed mark is, is, uh, is incredible. Mm-hmm. And when you have like this old hand, like Fernando Alonso, you know, you know, you got a steady set of mitts there to put the car into. And I think uh, for for him, you know, he's he's made a really strong argument why he should be back at the team for next season, Mark. Oh, totally. I mean, he's driving great. I mean, it just goes to prove, I mean, if you're motivated and you're good shape, I mean, there, there's, you know, age is almost, it's not as a big of a factor as it may have been, say, even 10 years ago. But I think that uh, Alpine is quietly be doing a very, very good job and maybe flying under the radar. I mean, you look at Esteban, he's finished every single race. He's uh, been in the points seven out of the nine races. Fernando, he gets in the points in Bahrain, very first race of the season. Then he kind of goes on this bit of a rough patch. He has two DNF 
DNFs and then two uh, uh, finishes outside of the points in uh, Australia and Miami. And then last four races, starting in Spain, he's been in the points. In Esteban, he's been in the points four out of the fast, or sorry, four out of the five uh, past races. And uh, you know they had a, a pretty pretty good uh, finish here on uh, Sunday afternoon. Esteban finished uh, sixth. Fernando sadly eventually ended up in ninth. Didn't really uh, quite uh, turn out. But I mean, on the uh, when you put it together, I mean they're slowly kind of uh, creeping up uh, through the constructors of the championship. They're currently fifth, and they're only they got fifty seven points. They're they're only eight points uh, behind McLaren, who had uh, a pair of uh, drivers who didn't get into the points uh, on Sunday in in Montreal. But that was that, that I you know it was great watching qualifying because you know the, like you say the reaction of the crowd. I mean the reaction of us watching at home was like oh my god I can't believe that he did it. It was just uh, and and it's funny too because. Fernando is one of these guys. He he's a polarizing figure, and I, I think that people either love him or hate him. And he's one of these guys that you know he, he's he's obviously very opinionated. He's still obviously a very talented driver, and despite all the all the drama and stuff that's kind of followed him through his career. I can't wish for him to do badly. Like I, I was excited to see him, uh, you know, put it on the front row like that. I thought it was a really, really good story, and it was uh, good to see the both of them uh, bring it home, uh, both in the top ten. And then uh, Esteban, uh, you know, <laughs> qualifying seventh. I think is a great story, yeah. but. You know, maybe that goes to show that, uh, well, I mean, the, the Aston Martin story is still to be decided, but certainly I think that uh, by Otmar leaving Aston Martin and going to, to Alpine, I mean, that that was a great signing and I got a ton of respect for the guy. I, I think uh, he's, he's really dialed in. I think he knows what it takes to, to run a Formula One team. And I think that, uh, you know, being in the right place, in the right situation, I think that uh, he can do a lot of good things in Formula One. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just picking him up was was great, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to see the the relationship between Esteban and Fernando. I mean, both are very competitive and both push each other uh, a lot, um, especially in today's race. You know, I think there was a point there where Fernando was kind of lobbying for some team orders to try and. Uh, get Esteban to get out of the way for him, but uh, I mean, at the end of the day, obviously Fernando having the uh, the technical issue that he did have with the car, and then obviously getting slapped with that five second time penalty that put him even further back uh, in the finishing position. I mean, for for Esteban, just you know, I was talking to him about it and pretty much asking him, you know, like how far can this car actually go? Because you guys have been so competitive lately, and I think you know for them. The sky's the sky's the limit, I think, for this car. Like they they are super positive on just how fast it can make this uh, race car this season. Mark, I mean, th- that was one of the things that he pointed out to me the most was just you know how far this thing can go for them. They are actually on a really good trajectory at the moment. Yeah, that's a, definitely a story we're going to have to follow going into uh, Silverstone mm-hmm. in a, for for the next race. But I was just looking at the qualifying time. So Max, who uh, qualified on pole, his uh, his best time in Q1 was a 132.219. His best time in Q2 was a 123.746. 
And then by the time uh, we get to Q3, his pole setting time was a 121.299. So that's just incredible over the course of that one hour qualifying session, just how much that, uh, that, that track speeded up. But you know, the one thing that really stood out to, to me was in turn two going into the the, the Senna S, because you, when you come down start finish, you got that little flick, that little dog leg to the right, and then they bring it back hard left to go through the Senna S, then back through, uh, you know, right, mm-hmm. and then uh, around that way. But there was a big, big puddle there, and it did not mm-hmm. dissipate uh, throughout uh, the, the qualifying session. Just talking uh, maybe from a driver's point of view, when you're used to taking your line and um, you, you get, I mean, obviously rain and, and Clement weather something just need to to deal with but it didn't take those guys too long to to realize this is something that we need to 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 stay away but but how do you have any indication of how big that puddle was because it it looked very significant even on television yeah it was it it, it was huge actually and that was that that is what deterred a lot of the drivers from jumping on slicks um in q3 and that's what daniel ricardo had said to me he was just basically saying like he was thinking about it. Like he was actually thinking about going on to slicks at that moment, but mm. he said it was just that puddle at the, uh, at the apex uh, of the left hander there. I, I always call it turn one, but I guess started the Senna S's. Um, he was just saying that like that section, the Senna S section, he said it was so sketchy because you just didn't know where all of the grip actually was. He said mm-hmm. the rest of the lap was fine. He thought that, you know, you you could possibly get away with a slick tire, but it was once you kind of got to that S section, he thought that like that was going to really throw somebody off. And then, of course, obviously it did with with George Russell, who I'm sure we'll we'll get into in a, in a minute here. But um, yeah, Mark, it's it, it's uh, things like that that really um, do throw a driver off and, and have them make those those decisions of whether or not like, hey, should I jump off this intermediate tire? Mm-hmm. and jump to a slick. Well, I mean, we saw quite a few guys having excursions off the track during qualifying, mm-hmm. which is to be expected. Uh, some of them, uh, you know, fared better than, than, than others. But, I mean, do you want to set that up? I mean, you already mentioned uh, George, yeah. so w- why don't you walk us through what happened with him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, talking to George afterwards, you know, I, you know, I, I basically asked him, you know, what happened there? You know, what were you thinking? So... <laughs> If you go back to, uh, it's interesting though. If you go back to 2021 in Sochi, uh, George was the first driver to jump off of the intermediate tire to jump onto the slick. And that's what got him that P3 starting position, um, for the, uh, for the Russian Grand Prix in 2021. And in his mind, he was thinking the exact same thing because I asked him, you know, was this your decision or the team decision? He's like, you know what? I was thinking about Sochi 2021 and and how I did, made that move. And I thought I could get it done here. He's like, because I didn't come here to start eighth. He's like, I mm-hmm. came here to get pole position and that's what I was going to do. And I I admire that he was that honest with me. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, because some of these guys were just, you know, they weren't like I wasn't getting the full picture but George just came straight out and just said it to me. He's like, look, man, like I was trying to go for pole. It was a bad move. You know, I messed up. It was the wrong decision to make because the Senate S was still really sketchy. But at the same time, I mean, we have to, you have to take your hat off to him. At least he tried. Yeah. He was open and honest about it at the same time. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I think for, for George, if he had stuck that lap together, ah, he would have got pole. I, yeah. I think he would have got pole for sure. No, no questions asked. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that was, uh, is one of those things. It's, uh, if you can pull it off, you can make it stick. You look like a hero. Yep. And if it doesn't, then, you know, it just, it was one of those things that didn't uh, work out. I mean, so obviously Fernando was a great story in uh, qualifying. Max was a great story in qualifying science. I mean, the, 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 the three of those guys, but I mean, Max was quite a bit ahead of everybody else, but yeah. you know, you get the to, Haas is actually. Mark, we we were yeah. so I was um I was I was stationed in the bullpen and bes- beside me there was like a tarp and behind the tarp was the Haas hospitality area. Okay, and uh, you know usually it's kind of quiet in there during uh, you know during sessions and stuff like that. But at the end of Q three, when both Magnuson and and Mick solidified their uh, starting positions, you know P five P six. That Haas hospitality area just erupted, dude. It scared the <laughs> hell out of me because I didn't know what was going on. And then I was like, oh my God. I'm like, and I looked at the TV screen and I'm like, oh, that is really good. <laughs> well, you know. So Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And they've got every right to, to, to celebrate that because when you have like such a mixed up uh, grid, I mean, you got, uh, I mean, you got Bottas that's uh, qualified in 11th. He's usually this year, he's qualified a little bit better than that. You got Lando who had a pretty rough weekend all the way around. I mean, he had, uh, he had problems with what was his power unit on Saturday. I can't remember yep. exactly what the issue was. I mean, he only qualified as uh, high as 15th. Obviously, Charles only qualified 15th. I mean, he was going to take that big penalty anyways, and he was going to be starting at the back of the grid and then so I, I mean everything was kind of mixed up a, a little bit but I don't want to take anything away from them because uh, that was a, a really really good uh, mm-hmm. that was a good moment so we've mm-hmm. talked about uh, some of the winners uh, from uh, qualifying some of the ones that uh, you know fared obviously a little bit worse uh, was, was obviously Charles but we knew that going into to, to the weekend Sergio Perez uh, only qualifying in uh, in 13th I mean he parked it into the grass and then I guess kind of got buried into the 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 tech row barriers but it was going to be tough even if that car wasn't wedged into the barrier i mean to try and get it off that really greasy grassy area was going to be kind of tough um yeah lando we already mentioned i mean we, we got to talk about the home the hometown boys mm-hmm. here the two canadians lance stroll nicholas latifi they qualified right down at the bottom i mean uh, yuki also was back there but he was going to take a grid penalty as well so passion drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. 
Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armor All products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. Armor All. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Kind of a rough start. I mean, it, it worked out, you know, obviously Lance's uh, race and his uh, race strategy was on point because it worked out uh, pretty good for him on Sunday. But uh, walking away from qualifying on Sunday, Saturday afternoon, pardon me, I did not have not I didn't have mm-hmm. very many good vibes for either Nikki or Lance. Yeah, the the, the qualifying for for both of them definitely a struggle. I think for the the more surprising one was the Aston Martin because of how fast Sebastian Vettel was in mm-hmm. free practice three, but it turns out it was a bit of a tire pressure issue with um with uh, the tires they were running for Q one. And that's ended up uh, uh, really, um, really how they how they didn't make it out of Q1 was because of that. Uh, Yeah, you know, it's just interesting uh, hearing from Lance. This this car has some pace like it. uh, It has some pace, Mark. It has um, has some good quality pace, too. And I think if they can just figure out uh, a sweet spot with it, I think they can really surprised some teams here like this is a this is a really uh this is a really good car they've made here it's just trying to get their heads wrapped around it and i think for for lance it's up to him to try and start learning a bit more about what it likes likes and what it doesn't because you know it's it's seb who's getting to that before lance is it's not that lance isn't talented it's actually that that seb is actually getting to the setup that works best for the car and for and for him it's taking lance a little bit longer to explore other areas because we will see in some sessions, the two of them are quite close and then the next session. One is a hit, you know, well ahead of the other while the other seems a little bit lost. And so I think that's at this moment where that lap Delta comes into play when we're talking about those two teammates of Lance Stroll, Sebastian Vettel, but uh, you know, for qualifying purposes, yeah, the team was extremely disappointed with that one. You know, obviously, so too Nicholas Latifi, but I think Nicholas knew what what uh, what this weekend was about, and this weekend was about just keeping your nose clean, keeping your head down, uh, trying to do the best job that you can with a really difficult car. This car is not not good. I mean, I know Alex Albon is is showing quite well at the moment. There are certain things that Alex is getting that Nicholas isn't, uh, but at the same time, he is. Alex is driving really well. Uh, and then for Nicholas, it's just trying to get the confidence and not only that, but just trying to find what works best, uh, for this car and his, uh, driving style because the two of them just aren't, aren't matching up. Um, but, but for Nicholas, I think, you know, for qualifying, uh, just like I said, you know, keeping his, keeping his nose clean. I, I thought, for for the most part with a really difficult with a really difficult car i thought nicholas did a pretty pretty decent job yeah yeah hey i, I wanted to ask you i mean there's been some talk that williams are looking at bringing something uh, completely different to, to try and maybe make this car a little bit uh, more competitive a little bit easier to drive uh, do you have any details on that that you can share uh, yes i do I have have some details on that one so they will be bringing uh from from what i learned uh williams should have an upgrade for silverstone uh, I believe Alex will be getting the upgrade, uh, and I don't think Nicholas will be getting that upgrade. I don't think Nicholas is getting that upgrade until a little bit later in the season. Could be, uh, could be Austria. And for that, it's uh, th- that car is going to look a lot different from from the people I've spoke to. 
It's it's uh, it's going to be completely different, uh, and that sucks for Nicholas because not getting that upgrade soon enough. Um, yeah, that's definitely that definitely hurts. He he needs to have a good he needs to have a good back half of the season here, uh, and we're coming up to the halfway point soon. And I think for for Nicholas to have a chance to stick around in Formula One, he needs to have a good second half to this season. And by and by good, I mean he needs to blow Alex out of the water. Um, but I think if if this upgrade they are bringing is supposed to be as good as it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. then yes, I, I could see Nicholas doing that for sure. I mean, he is competitive and people are going to roll their eyes at me and they're going to call me Homer, call me all this <laughs> other stuff. And, oh God, whatever. Trust me. I know like the guy's talented. Okay. It's just, it's just not working for him at the moment. Take a look at Daniel Ricardo, for example, that car did not work for Daniel Ricardo and he is a race winner, multiple race winner and he is just, and I mean just, starting to get to grips with that race car. And let me tell you, Zach Brown even made mention that they've actually had to do a ton of adjustments to have that car meet Daniel halfway with his driving style. Oh, my god! I'll gosh. tell you what's going on at Williams. That, is, that isn't happening. <laughs> okay, it's Nicholas having to try and find his way through it. Yeah, so, that's tough. It is. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a, a look now at the at, at the race itself. So let's go run down the the, the top ten in the final race uh, classification. We've got uh, Max Verstappen uh, winning. Carlos Sainz coming uh, back uh, or finishing second uh, for Ferrari. Got Lewis Hamilton second podium uh, of the year, and uh, Lewis was actually able to get out of the car unassisted this time <laughs> without uh, the degree of pain we saw a week ago in Azerbaijan. So that's uh, obviously a good thing. They got George Russell uh, coming home fourth uh, for Mercedes. You got Charles Leclerc finishing fifth in the end. Esteban Ocon in the first Alpine. Seventh was Valtteri Bottas uh, for the first uh, Alfa Romeo. Then eighth was uh, Joe Guan Yu. Uh, ninth was Fernando. And then uh, tenth was Lance Stroll. We'll give a, a special shout out here. You just mentioned Danny Ricardo. He came home 11th, which was uh, much better. I mean, just to, again, as I mentioned, it was, it was a tough, tough uh, qualifying uh, session for, for Lando. He only came home in 15th, uh, obviously just a weekend that uh, Lando would want to forget. There was only a couple of cars that weren't uh, classified. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda obviously getting a little bit uh, too excited coming out of the pits and then uh, putting it into the uh, the Tech Pro barrier in the Senate S there. Mick Schumacher uh, retired on lap 18 and then lap 7 was the big one. Sergio Perez in the uh, the, the, the Red Bull. Maybe we should talk about uh, that a little bit because the, the, the gremlins and some of the mechanical bugs that we saw earlier on in the season from Red Bull seem to have uh, disappeared over the last uh, number of races, but uh, it came back up on uh, Saturday, Sunday afternoon, pardon me, and Sergio just all of a sudden pulling up there on the uh, you know, around the back of the circuits. What can you tell us more of that happened? Well, first with, uh, with Sergio, because that's the big one, but Mick Schumacher was almost uh, a very similar case and retired at the very same corner, which was a bit, uh, bit coincidental. Yeah, and then we had all the stuff that happened with uh, Kevin Magnuson too. I mean, it just wasn't a good day um, for Haas, and yeah. I know the team. The team obviously ex- uh, disappointed. Gene Haas was here uh, this weekend. Uh, he was on hand to take it all in uh, because you know they qualified well. Uh, I mean, they showed great quality pace, and Kevin had that bit of wing damage from his scrap there with Lewis at the start of the race, which put him further back in the field because he had to come in and get that changed. But at the end of the day, I mean, this team is extremely disappointed. This is, um, 
this is another race weekend where they don't collect any points. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking to the team, you know, coming into this, this weekend, that was the, that was the goal. You know, it, it felt like a drought to them that they hadn't scored points in a while. And that's interesting to hear when you're, we're talking about Haas, a team that's, you know, finished in the back for, you know, quite a while now. And they're now disappointed by not consistently being in into the points. And so I found that quite interesting. You know, I think for Mick, uh, the qualifying that he did do was very impressive. I think it's good for his confidence, but not finishing a race, that's not good. That's just not good for him. Yeah. Um, his value in the in the driver market is is depreciating. It is going down uh from the people I've I spoke with over the weekend. I mean it's gonna take some you know some pretty good performances to to kind of pull things around for uh for Mick and uh you know for him to to have a spot on the F1 grid for 2023. And again, like I was mentioning, same thing with with Nicholas, another driver that is that is struggling. He's had some huge shunts, huge. Like mm-hmm. he's had an extremely expensive. They're costing the team a ton of money. And so for Mick not to get this, not to get this finish uh, at the Canadian Grand Prix. Yeah, just Mark, extremely disappointing for the team. Oh, well, well, totally. I was just uh, looking at their mm. results for the year. So the, the closest that uh, Mick came to getting into the points was at the very first race of the year in Bahrain when he mm-hmm. finished uh, 11th. And of course, he had that massive crash in Saudi uh, the, the, mm-hmm. a week later. And then since then, the, the best result that he's had was a 14th. And that was way back in Australia. But out of the last three races, I mean, he crashed in Monaco. He didn't finish in Azerbaijan, and then he didn't. He he retired again, uh, obviously this afternoon. And then you look at K Mag. I mean, f- three out of the first four races, he finishes in the points. Since then, his best uh, result is a fourteenth, and then uh, he retired in Monaco. I mean, today he was a seventeenth, and you know, obviously having that wing dan- damage in the black and orange flag so early in the race, and then. You know, you throw in a couple of virtual safety cars and the safety car proper later in the race. It uh, just, it, it was going to be an uphill battle for them. And it, it's its disappointing, obviously. I mean, they've shown at times that they've got pace. I mean, obviously, as we talked about a little bit earlier, I mean, they had a wonderful Saturday qualifying and then Sunday is complete polar opposite to what their Saturday was. I mean, uh, they're, they're mm. second last in the constructors. They have 15 points, which is only one point behind what uh, Aston Martin has a, at the moment with only uh, 16 uh, points. But uh, yeah, disappointing uh, nonetheless. Where did I go with my notes here? I was just, uh, there, there was something else I wanted to point out from the... Oh, yeah. Let, let, let's just kind of talk really quickly. That's what it was. Uh, just about the two McLaren. So Ricardo and, uh, and, uh, and Lando... Obviously, that's uh, a bit of a, a different story. Ricardo had a slightly better weekend than his uh, his teammate did. I mean, if you look at uh, their um, results over the past uh, couple of races, let's go back to Monaco. Uh, Ricardo finished 13th. Lando was 10th uh, last week in Azerbaijan. Uh, Ricardo was 8th and 6th. And then, oh, pardon me, I'm looking at the wrong ones here. So Ricardo was, uh, I'm looking at uh, Vettel here, pardon me. Uh, so uh, Vettel, uh, where do we go? Completely. Uh, missed up here. Yeah, this is professional, isn't it? <laughs> so Lando finished uh, sixth in Monaco, ninth in Azerbaijan, 15th uh, this afternoon. 
and then you look at 13, 8th, and 11th. So we were just talking about how like the team has made these significant adjustments uh, for, for Daniel to, to try and even meet him halfway mm-hmm. to try and sort out some of the issues uh, that, uh, that that he's been having. But I mean, still, I mean, he's only had one points finish uh, this uh, this season. Well, he's had two, but this is his first, uh, or the, the only two that he's had was in mm-hmm. Australia and his home race in the Azerbaijan. And then today, just uh, making it out of, or just missing out on the points. Where do we sit now with the, with Danny Ricardo? I mean, this this to me, I I, I kind of go back and forth, and it's just uh, you know, we, we I feel like we're having the same conversation now that we had a a year ago. The only difference is is that this year both. Uh, Ricardo himself and his teammate Lando are learning the car from, from from scratch. Whereas last year, I mean, this was a team that Lando had already been driving for for a couple of years, and Danny Ricardo was coming in brand new. Whereas he come into the new, the new regs, the new cars, and everything, so they're learning at the same time. And you have these you know, vastly different uh, fortunes compared to, uh, to compared to each other. Because I mean, Lando seventh in the uh, the, the the drivers' uh, championship with fifty points, and then Ricardo is thirteen with 15 points so that that's a big delta between your you know two teammates you know that are supposedly you know should be you know i mean i know that uh, zach brown was really touting them as one of the top driver pairings in formula yeah. one for this for for this year right yeah it, i think for for daniel it's um just chipping away at this just chipping away at trying to get that confidence to push with the car and I think he feels like he's he's getting there. He said um, he doesn't feel like he's there just yet, but he is getting there. And I don't think you know Zach Brown has lost faith in in Daniel Ricardo. I mean, I know that there were press clippings uh, that Zach had said about about Daniel, and I I think he stays at the team. I don't think they're interested in moving him around anywhere. I think he holds out and stays stays another year. I couldn't see them get getting rid of getting rid of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Lando, on the other hand, I mean, horrible weekend, just absolutely atrocious. Um, I think you know for him, that's a weekend he wants to forget. It's just one of those <laughs> yeah, ones that it just sure. didn't even happen, right? <laughs> um, and yeah, and that and that's the sense I got by talking to him on Sunday after the race. Uh, it just was like, let's just get this one over with and put it in the back of my mind and move on, move on to the next. But uh, for for McLaren, they aren't quite sure just yet of how and where their car actually works because you know they'll work it works well in some tracks, it works well in other tracks. They still haven't quite figured this thing out, and I think eventually they will. Obviously, it's McLaren and they know what they're doing. But at this moment, um, just struggling a bit. I mean, I don't think you you come into if you're McLaren, you don't come into the Canadian Grand Prix round nine of the championship and lay an egg. I mean, you just you just don't. It's you're McLaren, right? You should be close to to the top five and or the top four even in this in this championship fighting it out. So, yeah, yeah, Mark. Both drivers at the, at the end of this one were extremely disappointed well they are fourth in the constructors uh, championship but they're a, a country mile behind uh mercedes i mean uh, mercedes but well, in the race yeah uh, i oh, mean like is, is even what just I'm on the track at, like, yeah 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 oh, like on track like that, yeah for the canadian grand prix so i'm driving at him mean, you don't like by now you should be it, the pecking order should be a little bit more consistent uh with that 
that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, uh, compared to where they were last year, I mean, you you yeah. would expect that they're not, you know, fighting out with like the the Alpha Tauris and the Alphas and mm-hmm. stuff like that and you know, it's it's crazy. I mean, if you look at the constructors now, you have Red Bull on top, three hundred and four points, and you got Ferrari two twenty eight. So, I mean, you know that that gap is decreased a little bit uh, this weekend. Obviously, Ferrari had uh, both cars in the top five, and then uh, Red Bull, of course, only collected points uh, from Max. You got Mercedes uh, third with one hundred and eighty eight points. Uh, so, I mean, they've been collecting points slowly but uh, surely. And then you got mm-hmm. uh, McLaren, like I say, 65 points. They're only eight points ahead of uh, Alpine, who are now at 57. Then you have Alfa Romeo, they have 51. Alfa Tauri, 27. Aston Martin, 16. Haas at 15. And then uh, Williams, at least they got points this year, <laughs> which is not something yeah. I can always say, you know, like uh, <laughs> almost halfway through the season, they got uh, th- three points. But yeah, just uh, a bit of a, a rough one. So I, I want to talk a little bit uh, about uh, some of the individual stories. We'll talk about... Uh, um, we'll talk about Red Bull first. I just wanted to run down the top five in the Drivers' Championship. You got Max on top, 175 points, 129 for Sergio Perez's teammate in second, Charles Leclerc, 126. Boy, that gap between uh, Charles and Max got really big, really, Real really big. quickly. Uh, you got uh, George Russell in fourth with 111. Carlos Sainz has 102 for fifth. And Lewis now 77 points. And uh, Lewis will be one of, uh, I think, a, a, another kind of feel-good story from the weekend. Just a, a couple of qu- uh, quick facts that um, uh, Mr. Hamilton put into the notes here that he so kindly did on an evening that he's not even mm-hmm. here. So we'll show him a little love. Uh, so one of the facts that uh, he pulled out uh, was uh, Canada was uh, the 15th pole of Max uh, Verstappen's career. And that's, uh, you can compare that to 26 career victories, which includes Canada. He also dug out the uh, the stat here that this was Alonso's first start on the front row since qualifying in pole at the German Grand Prix in 2012 when he was still racing for Ferrari. So uh, let's talk about Red Bull now. We'll, we'll start to talk about the individual uh, teams. Um, that was exciting. The The last what was it, about a dozen laps or so. Mm-hmm. You had the safety car after Yuki put it into the wall. And uh, it, was, it was pretty good. It was pretty exciting. I mean, full credit to uh, Carlos Sainz. I mean, he did everything he could to try and get close to Max Verstappen. But Max just had that little bit of an edge. Because you know, I'll be honest. I I didn't think it was going to be that close after the safety car. I I just had this this image in my mind that safety car was going to go off the track. We're going to go back to, to to racing, and Max would pull out a couple of second lead. But I mean, Carlos was just hanging on the back back of his gearbox. Never actually got to to uh, you know try a, a pass on him. But uh, it it was good fun. Wasn't as exciting as it was in in Saudi between Charles and Max, but uh, it wasn't far off of it. Yeah, I think for Carlos, just trying to get some heat generated into that uh, that tire. I mean, obviously he had fresher tires than Max did at that point in the race. Yeah. And I think for for him, it's just trying to slowly build the heat into the tire before he could start attacking because Max did open up you know, a bit of a gap. And then I think for, for Carlos, it was just trying to put as much pressure on Max as he possibly could to get him into making some sort of a, a mistake in those final laps of uh, of the race. You know, I'd asked Carlos about this uh, following the race, and you know, I said, "Hey, like, you know, do you think the team put you on the right tire for 
for that uh, for that final stint there, you know, and he was like, you know, that's something the team and I are going to have to talk about, and mm-hmm. uh, we're definitely going to have to take a look at that. And that speaks to me that, you know, hey, maybe they should have uh, thrown him onto that uh, medium tire compound there at the end to uh, to have a real go at at Max. But but um, you know, take your hat off. It's it's good for Carlos. I mean, it's good for him to get a, a finishing result like that. I mean, obviously he's still really hungry for his uh, first ever win, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I mean. Needs to build the confidence. Like he's had, he's had a rough season. Like he's oh, totally right. He's he's got to build that confidence up, right? And I think like a finish like this in a weekend that he's had and good qualifying, you know, I think that that's that's a building block to things to come for 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 Carlos Sainz and for him. I mean, that's the most important thing. You know, I, I know he said that he's a fast. He thought he was the fastest guy on track. Um, you know, that weekend, but I mean, I, I don't know at the end of the day, I, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. I mean, Max was, and we'll get to Max in a minute, but Max was absolutely incredible. I don't think Carlos was catching him, Mark. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I heard the comments that Carlos uh, meant to, or said as well that he felt that he was the, the, the fastest guy on track, but you know, that's subjective. But the one takeaway from the, those comments was that he was full of confidence. He felt like he could push the car. He felt he could get really close to the walls, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when, when he that's needed important. to, that, that is important to, to yeah. know that you can push your cars, you know, as, as far as, and as much as you need to, and know that the car is going to do what you need it to do. But I was just looking here at, uh, Carlos's, uh, stats uh, for for this year so he's second in bahrain a third in saudi and then he has that real rough patch there goes into the gravel on what was it lap two or lap one in australia because yeah, I, th- yeah. I think he only did like what was it from imola to australia he'd only done what was it like one and a half laps or something something like that and then he has that uh well yeah imola then he has um in the chicane there he has that uh, little bump uh, together with daniel ricardo and goes into the gravel that was the low point but he's third in miami fourth in spain second in monaco of course azerbaijan in general was just a, a weekend for ferrari to to forget with that double DNF. Then he comes back uh, this week. I mean, he should have been on the front row, but except for a, mm. a moment of uh, brilliance from, uh, from from Fernando Alonso, which we already talked about, comes home second in the race. You know, he pushed Max really, really hard, but he's got the fastest lap on top of it. I mean, since that low point, I mean, his worst result since um, Imola, which was like the low point of his season to date. I mean, his worst result since then was a fourth. So, I mean, his season's turned around uh, pre- pretty good, but I mean, I guess we kind of like uh, get a little bit fixated on what Carlos was doing two months ago. Yes. But, um, you know, just to talking about Carlos and that battle that he had with uh, w- with Max is, I, I think we can say now that Max is really maturing as a driver. I mean, I did not really feel that, I, I mean, obviously he must have felt the pressure. He must have known how close Carlos was. But I mean, we we didn't see the things that we saw from Max that we saw earlier in his career. That even though there was a bit of gap between himself and the car behind him, you know how he'd always kind of like drift a little bit to the left or to the right, you know, going into a corner, whatever the situation was. I mean, he was just focused on uh, just doing what he needed to do. He wasn't really distracted. I just really felt that was a really confident really assured mature driver that's really driving very well i mean you look at max i mean his worst results since uh since imola was third in monaco and he's won every race uh, since then i mean it's uh i mean he, he's driving great as well so you know it, it was good stuff to see those two going at it and you know like you say i mean carlos has claimed that he was the fastest guy on track a little bit uh, subjective <sighs> but you know 
I kind of like I kind of like to hear those things because he was saying things like that earlier in the year that you know he wanted to be tra- challenging Charles a little bit more. I mean, we haven't really seen that battle uh, between the, the the two Ferrari drivers yet for various different reasons, but I think he really did well this uh, the, the whole weekend in Montreal. Yeah, yeah, he did for sure. I mean. It- <laughs> For for Charles, I mean, it's such a difficult weekend, right? You know, you show up after what happened in Azerbaijan, and then you're faced with this issue. You know, you take the, the the your third power unit, and then you're running an old turbo. But I think you know at the end of the day that this thing isn't even going to last a full race distance because you've got this you know weird engine combination that you've decided to bring to the track. And he's hinting to me, like in our sit down interview, that that uh, things may change, you know, throughout the rest of the weekend and it could be strategic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And for them to think that this was the the right weekend to do it and to be strategic with it because of how you can pass here at the Canadian Grand Prix. At the end of the day, I mean, you know, speaking with him, Ferrari let him down. Like it was the team that, that let him down. It wasn't Charles Leclerc that, that, that let anybody down. He did his job. He took that big 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 penalty a new internal combustion engine a new turbocharger a new mguk a new mguh he took a massive penalty that put him all the way in the back fought his ass off to get close get close up to the front again pit stop blunder by ferrari costs this guy potentially getting onto a podium position he thought in his mind, he thought that P5, he could have done much better. That's basically what he said to me. Like, yeah, if I, it wasn't for those blunders. I, I totally agree with that, uh, that that take that he had. I mean, I, I thought it was interesting, too, because after the, the, the safety car period at the uh, towards the end of the race there, he ends up uh, behind the, the, the two Alpines. He's behind Fernando, mm-hmm. who's behind uh, Esteban. And I thought, well, you know, if he has any hope of trying to, like, push George and Lewis, he's got to clear these guys uh, really, really quick. He gets stuck behind them for a couple laps, and he gets mm-hmm. by uh, first Fernando. Then he gets, uh, uh, you know... Uh, that past Esteban and then I'm looking I think there's like about four seconds I'm like well you know he's still got about a dozen laps maybe he can get close to George and then maybe he can maybe the last couple laps maybe he can push him a little bit but it didn't work out like that I I noticed uh, I think it was maybe about like seven eight laps to go and like one lap he took about a second out of George's uh you know the gap between himself Mm -hmm. and George Russell and then he brought it down from about four and then he got to about two and a half seconds and then it just sort of stayed there I guess he just figured 
you know, it, it, it is what it is now. You know, the, the the opportunity to try and push for anything better than fifth have just evaporated. But, uh, you know, you raise a great point because it was there for Ferrari again. And again, they let themselves down. And it's just, sometimes it really just strikes me. It just, sometimes they can just be their own worst enemy. It's it's either call on the pit wall. It's something that happens in the pits or it's something that happens, you know, with the, the reliability or the car, or sometimes it's something that the driver does. I mean, you can go back and, you know, we just mentioned Carlos putting it into the gravel in Australia. So, I mean, they, they've been, you know, they're their own worst enemies at times. And, it's got to be so frustrating for them because the car is obviously competitive and it, it's still, I mean, to, to be as close as he was to, to, to Max at the end, of course, you know, that's that, that, that gap is maybe, I wouldn't say artificial, but I think maybe that's, it obviously flatters Ferrari a little bit because with like, what was it? 12 laps to go. And you, you know, you got the safety car. So that compressed the running order quite a bit. So th- there mm-hmm. is that. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Carlos because it was an exciting finish mm-hmm. and he really gave it his all. But again, there's just, um, th- there was more opportunity for more points out there for, for, for Charles, despite starting at the back of the grid. And I mean, he drove great on Sunday. I mean, let, let's let's not take away from it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, it's only a fifth, but look where he came from. And I mean, mm-hmm. we, we termed the, the the phrase the the Frankenstein power unit last week when we <laughs> talked about <laughs> talked about what what they were going to have to do for Charles going into Montreal after what happened in the, you know in Azerbaijan last weekend. And you talk about you know taking this and putting that on it and taking this from there and putting it here. It's just like, oh come on, guys. It's just I, I can understand why they're 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 frustrated. And when you look at the constructors, when you look at the drivers, that gap between Ferrari and Red Bull, between Charles and Max, it should be a lot smaller than it is. I mean, they've just left so many points out there. Yeah, it's disappointing. And now this championship is just really starting to to get away from them, right? Yeah. They they need to have some bad things happen to Max for for them to, to catch back up and to close the close the deficit. I mean, I know there is a lot of races left, but Max isn't going anywhere. He's he's on another level yep. right now. The maturity that he's shown within the car, uh, his ability now to just manage everything, including his emotions, and as well as managing and controlling the lead of a race is spectacular. He is in championship form. He looks incredible. His demeanor is in, is his demeanor is so much better than what it used to be. Too Mark, just even talking to him is just. Mm-hmm. He's he's almost like a different guy, and he's operating at such a high level. And if you're Charles Leclerc and if you're Ferrari, that's got to scare the crap out of you, man. <laughs> oh, because, totally. Because you have to go up against that, and you're going to have to try and overcome that if you want to win a championship. And that's not going to be easy. I even, you know, saying to saying to Charles, you know, I asked him like, "What is this like on the on the track between you guys?" Like. All right. is this a fierce rivalry? Like, what do you think it is? And he doesn't see it as that just yet, but he feels that if this championship does end up getting close, he feels that it's going to get nasty. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said like, yeah, well, you guys ever go for beers after? And he's <laughs> like, oh yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Right. Jokingly, but you know, they're not going for beers after. Yeah. Right, Mark. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, this is a, these two are, are two fierce uh, alpha drivers and, I think that Max Verstappen is going to have to run into some extreme unfortunate things 
for Charles Leclerc to even have a chance at getting back into this thing. Well, that's the thing that I've said about Mercedes for years, right? It's just like, I don't want to bet against Lewis. I don't want to bet against Mercedes because, you know, number one, he's a great driver in a great car. They've always, you know, their strategies on point. And, you know, it, it, when it comes to the, you know, the situation, well, you know, for, for so-and-so, whoever it is, Sebastian, for Max or whoever to, to close that gap in the championship between himself and Lewis, you know, prior to 2022, you know, you're going to have to have like an unprecedented run of unfortunate incidents either be it uh, you know like a, a coming together on the track or reliability issues like all these things that just never happened to Mercedes you know that the, the, the I mean they were so good for 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 so long and I mean sure and and this is a great time to talk about it I mean obviously yeah. right at the start of the season Red Bull had reliability issues. I mean, that that was highlighted in race one in Bahrain where you get right down to the last couple of laps and both of those Red Bulls, you know, they just pull up and then double DNF right there. Max had another one a couple of races later. And then uh, this afternoon, I mean, well, let, let's, before we even get to that, I mean, they've been pretty solid since then. I mean, they've, they, you know, Max has been driving great. Sergio's been driving great. I mean, they've been bringing points home like they're going out of fashion. And, uh, you know, they just seem to get better and better every weekend. And then we talked about how Lando had a, a weekend that he's going to want to forget about. Sergio had a, the a, almost identical the same weekend. I mean, obviously, he didn't make it out of Q2. And then he only lasted seven, eight laps uh, in, the, in the race itself when the, the gearbox let go. And it was just it was just weird the way that it happened. I mean, he was just going around the backside of the circuit and then all of a sudden box full of neutrals and he just kind of like coasts off the track. I mean, can you give us a little bit more information than not really? I mean, I mean, Christian was not very forth. I mean, obviously that was during the the race when they interviewed him, Mm -hmm. they said, of course, we got to get the car back to the pits and look at it. I mean, all they're saying now is gearbox. So who knows, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly right. Still undetermined at this moment, but, uh, yeah, for Sergio Perez, obviously a hit in the championship for for him. Yeah. Um, especially when you know we want to see this thing get close, and you know you're having all these you're having all these championship battlers, you know, start to just fall off the map, and reliability issues just kicking in for everybody except for Max. I mean, fair enough, he had some at the beginning of the season, but you know the reliability issues that some of these teams are facing now is just a little bit unheard of. I mean, poor Sergio Perez, it's. Uh, <laughs> Hasn't been good times for him, Mark. This was a really tough weekend for him. Oh, I, I can imagine. I mean, especially mm-hmm. after the last uh, three races. I mean, he's got a pair of seconds. And, uh, of course, he won in Monaco a couple of weeks ago. I mean, mm-hmm. Sergio's driving in the form of his career. I mean, he's finally settled in uh, nicely at Red Bull. I mean, they got that one-two punch with the drivers that they haven't had since 2018 and before when it was Max and Danny Ricardo. I mean, everything was, you know, setting up uh, to be another, you know, dominant weekend for the for, for the Red Bulls. And I mean, obviously, Max wins the race. He gets pole. I mean, he ex- uh, you know, extends his lead in the championship over both uh, his teammate and uh, and Charles Leclerc. But, you know, it, it's not all, all all that rosy. I mean, the, the, the gap between I mean, the, the one that we're kind of looking at now is Charles and, and, and Sergio because there's only three points uh, between them. But that's that's not the Ferrari Red Bull driver battle that we want to see. I mean, everybody's dialing it back and thinking about Saudi that that great. Yeah. What was it about ten laps or whatever it was yeah. right at the end of the race there with Max and Charles yeah. just going at it. I mean, it's just like that. Just uh, you know, really, I think uh, excited everybody, and yeah. uh, we we just have not seen that uh, you know since, since then. 
Okay, uh, so we've talked about uh, Ferrari, we've talked about uh, Red Bull. Let's talk now about uh, uh, Mercedes, because this was like one of these stories I was kind of uh, thinking about going into this uh, th- this weekend, and I was kind of thinking, well, depending on what happens, if it's a bad thing, it was like, do we sit down and say, you know, is it time to talk about Lewis Hamilton? And I was almost thinking a little bit of a, a negative context. I, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest. I did not have a good feeling about Lewis after after Azerbaijan. I, I know he had like, I mean, that was like the hardest, you know, fourth place he's probably ever achieved in yeah. his career. But I just did not. I was just getting a lot of negative vibes from him afterwards. I knew that you know Lewis is a warrior. I knew that uh, I just. It would take something extreme for him not to, to to come to Montreal, but for him to get onto the podium and you know to to do better than his teammate, because I mean he struggled compared to 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 George throughout the, the the season. I mean George obviously is still ahead in the drivers' championship, uh, currently fourth with 111 points compared to 77 for for Lewis. But I mean, in the last couple of races, I mean, let, let's go all the way back to uh, Imola. He didn't finish in the points. He had a 13th. Since then, he's kind of like, it's been a bit of up and down, but he had a 6th, a 5th, an 8th at uh, Monaco, and then Azerbaijan 4th, and then 3rd mm. today. And then, you know, George, he's had three podiums uh, this uh, this year. But this this weekend, I just kind of felt... I felt like we saw a little bit of the old Lewis back. I mean, obviously, he was able to kind of keep a he was able to hang with uh, with with uh, with, mm-hmm. uh, with with Max and uh, Carlos at the end. Of course, you know the asterisk there is the same uh, with uh, the you know that I gave for 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 Carlos and Max because of the the safety car period. But I just you know watching Lewis and hearing him speak after the the the, the race was over, he just seemed. To me, it almost felt like a guy that had like a bit a weight fall off of his shoulder. He seemed a lot more relaxed. He seemed a little bit the the, the frustration wasn't there. Just it seemed like the the like the the Lewis Hamilton we all know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought that this was all Lewis Hamilton on Sunday. This was classic Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he dragged this position out of this car. I mean, they still have the bouncing. They're still suffering with that. It's just not as severe as it was in Azerbaijan. Now, Lewis was actually running uh, some experimental components on the, on the car over the weekends. They didn't really work as well as they, they liked them to have. And it's just a very difficult car to get sorted out and to get into an operating window and, just speaking with him afterwards, you know, it just still sounds like they're struggling to sort this thing out. Like they're still haven't figured it out where it's, if you go the wrong direction in setup, just a little tiny bit, it throws the car right out of the window, just literally throws it right out of the window, which is the strangest thing ever. And it's not just Lewis saying this, like George, you know, Talking to George, too. I mean, saying the exact same. They're both saying the exact same things. Mm-hmm. Now, for Mercedes, there is, a, I think, a bit of a silver lining with this coming up, to, to Silverstone, at least. It's got a lot of medium to high-speed corners, and this Mercedes car does actually run quite well uh, on those types of, of tracks. It's It's the slower corners... It's the slow to medium corners. It's uh, bumpy straightaways. It's uh, rough 
rough track, rough surfaces that's really um, increasing the bouncing of this of this race car for them. And I think coming into Silverstone, I think they're going to have a good shot at capturing some more good results and trying to really just pull away uh, in the championship, you know, for that third place, just start to really pull away. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, for 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 this team, that's exactly what they need. And, and, and then eventually they can start making a decision on... Uh, you know what what do they want to do right do they do they do they want to continue with this car the way it is right or are they going to make a a change and go with something else mark well that's great i mean uh, that that you point that out because uh, there's a, a quote here that uh, from the from lewis and he said quote it's been such a difficult year for me personally in terms of the car qualifying was emotional for me and get back in the garage we were like wow this is beautiful for, uh, for us then to have a strong race just gives me so much hope and confidence going forwards there is potential in this car but it's got a really small working window and if mm, you don't yeah. get it all perfect it's all over the place and there's a really hard thing to navigate through but the team did a great job this weekend so you know i mean again we've we've talked about this uh, among ourselves quite a bit that this w13 it's not really a car that they want to give up on they they still feel like there's potential in it mm-hmm. it's just like are they going to be able to extract all that potential before the end of the year but i mean you look okay it obviously the you you look at the the, the comparison between george russell and and lewis hamilton obviously lewis has had more issues with this car with with, with george i mean George obviously has had some pretty good results. I mean, his his worst finish this year was a, was a P5. But I, I mean, when you still look at it, I mean, you know, George has been in the points every race. Lewis has been in the points every single race except for Imola, I think it was. But the other thing that's interesting, despite all the struggles that Mercedes has had, compared to their other rivals at Ferrari and Red Bull, they have not had a DNF. So this car maybe isn't operating the way that they want it or they think that they can extract from it, but it's also as reliable as hell. So, I mean, there's some good things going on there. And on top of that, they're only 40 points behind Ferrari in the constructors, which really isn't that far considering how much racing we still have in front of us. Well, it's kind of like, you know... (laughs) It's like I was saying, right? It's like, what happens when they go to a track like Hungary, right? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. That's, that's not going to be a track that really suits them. They're going to get steamrolled. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, well, you know, the purpose of it is to go to some of these tracks and have a bit of a disadvantage, right? Yeah. Like, that's going to happen. Not to just show up and get absolutely pounded. And I think at the end of the day, that could be what happens to them when they go to a track like Austria, when they go to a track like Hungary, uh, you know, it could be a dis- absolute disaster for them. So uh, that's where I think like they have so many other question marks, you know, with, with this car, both mm-hmm. drivers are doing an incredible job. No questions asked. Lewis is definitely playing the team game by running all these experiments that he's been running the past few races. George is at the peak of his powers at the moment, doing a, phenomenal job. Lewis just dragged a P3 out of this car. Um, you know, Toto's still upset about this whole car. There's the mechanics and the crew just can't seem to figure it out. I just, I keep coming back to this, Mark. It's just, there's going to be a moment in this season where this team just simply either moves forward with this thing or just gives up when they just can't even, when they can't even figure it out and, and get it working properly. 
You know, I almost wish I, I wish I had a time machine. I could fast forward to February 2023 to the launch <laughs> of the like next year's Mercedes and see, you know, are they going to go with the same concept that they have with this year's car? I, are they going to kind of go in the direction, say, like Red Bull and, and Ferrari have gone? Is it going to be somewhere in the middle? But I mean, th- these are the things, these are the questions that are going to be answered. And th- these are the things that are going to evolve over the races and the weeks and months ahead. And 100%. I mean, you know, w- when you go with something that, I mean, when you look at the Mercedes compared to the other front runners, I mean, it is a radically different design. It's a yes. radically different concept. And when you try to do something that radically different than everyone else, you know, if it works right out of the uh, right out of the gate, I mean, great. But if not, yes. then it's just like, okay, well, we thought it was going to do this, but it's not, and we don't know why it's not doing what we expect it to do. And try to do that, you know, over the course of the season in a cost cap world. I mean, good luck to you. <laughs> I mean, that's you know, just seems like uh, I, I'm glad that I'm not uh, you know responsible for that. But you know, that's also why I'm not getting paid anything close <laughs> to what Total Wolf is earning for a paycheck, and deservedly so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh my God. Let's uh, move on to a couple other topics here. Um, let's talk uh, quickly just about um, Fernando Alonso. He was uh, awarded a time penalty and, uh, well, <laughs> a, a bit of a, a, a disappointing end to an otherwise a pretty decent uh, weekend uh, for him. So tell us what happened to Fernando right at the end of the race here, Tim. Yeah, it sounded like he was having some uh, engine issues uh, of some kind uh, towards the end. He still felt that he was much quicker than, than Esteban Ocon, but there were no, uh, no, he said that there was no real team orders on his part. I mean, what, like, what's he going to do, right? He's not going to, he's not going to be able to get past Esteban. There was no way the pace just wasn't there. He knows yeah. that um, the blocking maneuver that he ended up pulling. I mean, he's weaving all over the racetrack. He deserves that five second time penalty. I mean, you can't, you can't block that much. It was, it was pretty bad. But I mean, I think, you know, like I said at the top of the show for the team, it's just a good confidence boost for, for them and a good confidence boost for, for Esteban as well. Cause he's been, he's been, uh, you know, trying to find his way, you know, with this, this new, this new car over the past few races. And it looks like it's starting to chip away at it. But, you know, these are the types of finishes that this team needs. And this driver pairing needs to to believe in what they have and to 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 make the team go forward, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, disappointing for him. But you know, on the whole, like, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, Alpine has been uh, quietly getting the job done, and uh, will yes. be fun to watch them the rest of the year. Let's talk about the Canadian boys. Lance gets into uh, the points in P10. Um, Nicholas uh, Latifi said that uh, despite some poor results this year, this weekend was uh, very special. So I'm sure you've had a chance to talk to these guys uh, you know, quite a bit over the past uh, couple of days. Let's start with uh, Lance. Uh, obviously didn't qualify very well, brings it home into the points. Okay, it's only in 10th, but you know I think that's a pretty good result from obviously building on what was not the greatest of Saturdays. Yeah, and that's a funny thing about this Aston Martin car. I mean, it just <laughs> it uh it just, you know, there's <laughs> it's got pace. I yep. mean, we've seen it. Uh those you know the times that Seb's putting up in in free practice 3, free practice 2, I mean, you know, those are not, you know, phony lap times. Those are that's legit performance. They actually they've got something here, and I think it's just going to take some time for them to to work it out. Now, 
you know, having the issues that they had in qualifying with, with the tire, uh, you know, setting the back, obviously. But whenever Lance gets into P17 in Canada, he always seems to come away with points. But at the same time, the team put him on a, a very excellent uh, a strategy. I mean, he ran a similar strategy to to what they uh, what they ran um, in 2019 with that one-stop strategy and just leaving Lance out and just letting him go. You have to take your hat off to him because that's a really difficult thing to do to keep that hard tire alive for as long as he did. Like, he kept it alive, Mark. I mean, he had drivers breathing down his neck. He was stuck in the DRS train for quite a while, didn't make any mistakes, which was great. I mean... You you know you have to commend the guy. He did a great job in the race because he came uh, this into weekend. pit. Sorry, just to jump in there, he pitted in the mid forties, did he not? You did. For, yeah, yeah, it was close. That's incredible. To, I was, was going to say like you know, just over forty five. I, I don't have the exact number of a, if, the exact lap. You're that he pretty came close in, within was, a lap or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was sure. deep into it. He was very deep into it into the stint and. uh that tire management skill that he has is is getting better. I mean, he was absolutely incredible in that regards. And safety car, obviously, you know, playing into his hand at the same time, which was great. And yeah, he he needed this. You know, it's been a it's been a tough couple of races. You mm-hmm. know, if we go all the way back to like Monaco, it's it's been it's been tough. Like uh, when they brought this upgrade, it's it hasn't been it hasn't been easy for him. Uh, I think moving forward, you know, for, for, uh, you know, we could touch on Nicholas too at the, at the same time, like, uh, just difficult race. They like, just didn't have the confidence to push the car, but knew that I think he knows that like he can't, he can't crash the car anymore, right? Like yeah. he can't go, go out and, and put the car on the limit. They are supposed to have upgrades coming. So if they're crashing the car, the upgrades aren't going to come, right? It's going to, it's going to affect, it's going to affect him. And so for for Nicholas, there's a margin there he has to play with. Like he can't go over a certain a certain margin. He's got to keep things within a certain margin, right? And once he starts pushing things, like race car drivers do like to do, that's when you're going to run into problems. And uh, you know he just can't afford to do that right now. He's yeah. got to just got to get to the upgrades, Mark. Just got to make it to the upgrades, and we'll see what happens. So, so what does a driver like Nikki do? Like, uh, what, what what sort of positive do you take away from a weekend like this? And maybe you know, maybe from the bigger picture. I mean, it's his first ever race in Canada. I mean, obviously, it's been canceled for the past couple of years because of COVID. So, I mean, you, you got to take something positive away from 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 the weekend if you're Nicholas Latifi. And, and, mm-hmm. and what is it? What what does Nikki take away? If there's one thing you can feel good about, what would it be? I think just having his family around. To be perfectly honest with you, he hasn't seen them in a really long time. Wow, uh, he hasn't. They've all been haven't been together for a really long time. I mean, COVID has kept everybody apart, uh, especially yeah. Nicholas from his family. Same with Lance. Um, you know, Lance had a huge family contingent there as as well. And same thing for for him, right? It's just getting your family and friends to finally together to enjoy something. And mm-hmm. yeah, for Nicholas seeing, um, excuse me, for Nicholas seeing aunts, uncles, uh, you know, seeing his brothers, sisters, I, sister. I mean, it, it was good for him. I, I think he needs it. You know, he's coming back to Toronto for, for a bit before he, uh, before he moves on to back to the UK to continue on with the season. And, uh, and yeah, I think for for Nicholas, it's been busy. Like he's just been working like every single day mm-hmm. in the sim, 
doing going over data whenever he's not in the race car he's doing something race car related like and same goes for lance both of them working their asses off so for nicholas just gotta hope that those upgrades come and and they work but i think for him getting to see getting to see and being around his family was was a big boost for him that's what i think yeah yeah that's uh that's that's a good point and something honestly i hadn't even uh thought about but Mm -hmm. yeah just another indication of how much covid has messed up things so much over Mm -hmm. the past couple of years Mm -hmm. okay a couple of quick things i want to talk about um I want to talk about a couple of comments that uh, Total Wolf made uh, before we get, maybe this is kind of a heavy way to <laughs> finish the show, but uh, one thing I wanted to ask you again, just from a driver's uh, perspective, I mean, uh, right at the top of the show, you talked about, you know, all the things that uh, that everybody in the F1 world loves about coming to, to Montreal, but I noticed over the course of the weekend, a number of the drivers said how much that they like Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. What is it about this track that drivers love? Just old school. It's an old school circuit. You know, you make a mistake, you get you're gonna pay the price. Drivers <laughs> love it. You know, because they, they love those margins. Those they love just teetering on the edge of 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 the limit, just the knife's edge. Uh, you know, Wall of Champions is a perfect example. Yep. I mean, that's like threading the eye of a needle at uh, 200 kilometers an hour. You know, how much curbing do you dare take? And yep. You know what the consequence is. It's waiting for you just on the other side of the chicane. So, yeah, I, I think in terms of the track, it's just it's an old school driver's track. Yeah. I, I got to ask you this. Like, m- maybe this is just cynical me speaking, but, you know, the the, the big bonjour Quebec on the side of the wall of champions, they're trolling us, right? Is it- <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, uh, well, I can't remember. I can't think of. I think it used to read, if I'm not mistaken, Bienvenue au Quebec. I yeah, I believe think it that's did. what it <laughs> that, that, that's what it used to read a long time ago. If and that's what you would see when you pounded into that thing. If if it's intentional, I think that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, love <laughs> um, so I love it. I love it. Just before we uh, we wrap things up here, the couple of things I want to get to. We got one listener question, but I wanted to ask you about these sure. questions uh, that Toto uh, Wolf made in Intersport with Autosport.com. So I'll yeah. read you the whole thing. So it's just this uh, this whole TD and the whole porpoising mm-hmm. thing. So he's a little bit, um, it seems he's pretty irritated, annoyed about it. So I'll just read it and get your, your reaction to it. So Toto had the following to say, quote, uh, this is a sport where you're trying to keep a competitive va- advantage or gain it, but this situation has clearly gone too far. All the drivers, at least one in every team, have said that they were in pain after Baku, that they had difficulty in keeping the car on the track or blurred vision. Team principals trying to manipulate what is being said in order to keep the competitive advantage and trying to play political games when the FIA tries to come up with a quick solution to at least put the cars in a better position is disingenuous. And that's what I said. I'm not only talking about the Mercedes, all of the cars suffered in some way or another in Baku and still do it here. The cars are too stiff. The cars bounce or whatever you want to call it. We have long-term effects that we can't even judge, but at any time, this is a safety risk. And then coming up with little manipulations in the background or Chinese whispers or briefing the drivers is just pitiful, end quote. So obviously, Mm -hmm. Toto not entirely happy Mm -hmm. about uh, the situation. Yeah, no, I mean... Here's a here's one of the things. Well, the 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 TD got got issued at a at a funny time um, for some of these teams. You know, speaking with Otmar Safnar, I mean, there were this things getting issued. You know, in the UK evening, 
and it's getting issued in in Canada. I believe it was around uh, early afternoon when this thing's getting issued. And uh, one of the things that Safnar kept bringing up was the, the fact that how late this, this thing got issued and the fact that, you know, there were some teams that were able to bring floor stays for their cars, which would help. And Alpine didn't have time to do that. They didn't have time to get that little piece of, 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 of um, car equipment made in time. And so there's a lot of politics that is just swirling around this, uh, Around this TD, I mean, there was a parent, an, an apparent uh, uh, yelling match uh, during the uh, team principals uh, meeting uh, with Stefano uh, Domenicali uh, down at the F1 tent. Oh wow! Uh, late, yeah, late on Saturday, apparently, and you know, it was uh, Total Wolf, and I believe uh, Mattia Bonotto was involved. Same with Christian Horner, <laughs> and again, you know, it's uh, it's. <sighs> It, you know, how much is Mercedes pushing for these things, right? And it's kind of like, who's who's the FIA listening to? <laughs> you know, it's... Well, it, it, yeah, that, that's it, a million-dollar question, right? It, yeah, because I talked to, you know, as I talked to some of these drivers, they don't, you know, they... Some of the drivers I spoke with, they weren't complaining. They even said that they were fine. They even said, like, yeah, you know, if you're having some porpoising, it would suck, but... At the end of the day, these are the rules and the regulations. I mean, you can't just go and change all of that. You're throwing out uh, the entire. Um, you're, you're basically just throwing out rules for for no reason. Yeah. And same with the team principles. Um, Franz Toss was extremely outspoken uh, on all of it. And if the drivers for him are having trouble, then get out of the sport. That's basically <laughs> what he's saying. Like sports are tough. They're tough on your body. You're going to get beat up. You're going to get broken. And all these sorts of things. And he does have a point. I mean, you know, basketball players, uh, football players, hockey players. I mean, the body deteriorates. It's a rough sport. Racing is rough. It is just rough. It's just natural. It's just that's the way it is. But at the end of the day, I mean, you do have to take driver safety into a- account, right? But when the FIA puts this TD out, it's not specific. Right? They don't say how much. Or they don't tell you, are they going to raise it like this? Or are they going to raise it like this? They didn't even give a number. And so, like, how does that work? Okay, so, so if you're going to issue this thing, well, then what's going to be the number that you're going to raise someone's ride height to? Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. I thought the TD was, it was vague and it didn't really say too mm-hmm. much other that they were going Mm-mm. to measure what was it, the, the vertical oscillation. You know, I oscillation. Guess that's, I think that's mm-hmm. the, the the technical term for, for, for mm-hmm. porpoising. But of course, as with anything else in Formula One, it's uh, a lot of it's politics and posturing. And I guess that's part of the reason that uh, that we love it, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, Tim, it's getting pretty late there for you. I know that, uh, you know, you've been busy all week. Morning. And I mean, you've put out a ton of great content over the past uh, several days. You guys have just been killing it there at TSN. We've really been enjoying it, but we're not going to let you go. We got a question here for you specifically from uh, okay. Alex McWilliams. And Alex's question is, who wins in a race? Bottas driving my Infinity QX60 or me after a weekend of training in his Alpha F1 car? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, you get a week in it, though. Or sorry, a weekend. A weekend, weekend. yeah. Uh, uh, I would say... 
I would say uh, a weekend in the F1 car, weekend in the F1 car. I think you'd win. That, that, that sure. would be interesting. Now we're all. I sick, honestly yeah. think you would because you're, you're getting a full weekend in this thing, right? So you can slowly chip away at it. Yeah, as long yeah. as you don't bin it. You know, uh, we're, we're we're assuming that Alex is actually you know you know can actually fit in the car. I mean, I'd be lucky if I could get one <laughs> foot in there. You know, let alone both and be able to steer it. You know, actually be able to get into the cockpit. But yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, if um, you know, just take away like all the things you know, being the right size and height and everything to fit into a Formula One car. If you actually had a couple of days of actually training in one of these cars, like what could you be able to? I mean, mm. obviously, you would you you would not be able to push it, but how much would you be able to, what would you be able to do in a Formula One car with just, if you walked in straight out of the sim or <laughs> straight out of the parking lot? I would say like if I had, uh, if I was in shape, like racing shape, I mean, yeah. I'm not in shape. Like I had a bad injury last year and I put on, I put on a ton of weight and I've been trying to, I've been trying to lose it. And uh, yeah, if I was in better shape and if I got to spend uh, you know, three days in the sim. Um, and then if I was able to spend, uh, you know, some, some, get some decent, decent track running, uh, in the car, I think I could do pretty good. I, I'm not going to say I'm like, you know, Charlotte Claire or something like that, <laughs> but I, I think I could, uh, I think I could, I think I could qualify. I think you'd qualify for a race. Wow. So so how yeah. long do you think you could go before like the G's would really start affecting like the oh. neck and everything like that? Would, would that be something oh, you'd be... notice immediately? Yeah, yeah. I'd be yeah. toast immediately. Yeah, it wouldn't last very long. Like I said, like I'd have to it, there there'd be a bull there's there's a there would be a big process of this. We're talking like yeah, yeah. seven months of physical training. <laughs> uh, and that's it, like just yeah. focused on that sleeping and eating right. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, we're talking like, yeah, I would say just a good three, four days of really long, solid sim time, shifter carts. Uh, yeah. And then like a full weekend in the car. Uh, I think I could do it. Yeah. I, I think I could. It's not like the seventies where you, <laughs> you know, crush a case of beer on a Saturday night and smoke <laughs> half a cart and a lucky strikes, you know, and then party all night and then show up to the circuit and go and drive in a Grand Prix on Sunday afternoon. You know, think, things have changed a little bit in the, the, the past 40 or 50 years. Hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Yeah. All right. Well, Tim, let's wrap it up there. You know, thanks sure. again. Uh, you know, like, like I said, you guys did uh, great work at the track yeah. uh, all weekend long. It was uh, great to see, and uh, you know, it was uh, it, the, the race lived up to the hype, and uh, I think that's uh, I, I think that's what we all wanted uh, for our first race since uh, in Canada uh, at any rate since uh, 2019. So uh, before we go, let everybody at know at home know where they can uh, follow you and listen to what you got going on and all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So TSN Racing Pods available wherever you get your uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Tim Harani. Uh, Going to have some fun stuff on social coming out over the next week or so for sure. And yeah, just going to be getting ready for the British Grand Prix that will be coming up here in a few weeks' time, but. Uh, just moving into my new place and uh, getting settled in there. And Mark's given me some uh, pretty uh, handy things on creating a bit of a podcast studio. So I'm going to be uh, chipping away at that this week and got a new bed to move in. So yeah, <laughs> all be, that fun moving be, stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, moving stuff. I've been moving stuff for the last month. Uh, 
Yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a 140 in the AM here in Ontario and uh, I got to be up in 3 hours to catch a flight back to Toronto. So All right, buddy. Well, it's Ooh. time to cut you loose. <laughs> and if you want to follow our show, uh, we're Scootery F1 Pod. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, everywhere we listen to podcasts. And you can find us on social at Scootery F1 Pod or email us at scooteryf1pod at gmail.com. And on behalf of myself and Tim Haraney and my absent co-host, Mr. Mark Hamilton, thanks for listening. Have a great week and we'll catch you again in a couple of days. Bye for now.